I'm Alex Trepchinski. I'm Angie Check. I'm Barbara Stewart. I'm Ben Joseph Stewart. I'm Bliss Young. I'm Marin Green. I'm Natasha Kingsbury. I am Dr. Jacob Egbert. I'm Sarah Gustafson. I'm Valerie Jacobson. And this is the Holistic OBGYN Podcast. It's not often you get to meet somebody like Kyle Kingsbury. You know, the guy's 6'3", he's probably got the same waist size as me, and (laughs) spent years training his body and mind to be one of the best MMA fighters ever to live. Fought in the UFC for years, met his lovely wife, Tosh, who's also a friend of mine and has been on the podcast. Later, retired from the UFC, got picked up by Onnit, Aubrey Marcus's company, and has been on a journey of health optimization ever since. But it doesn't just stop with supplements and stretching and an, an adequate weightlifting routine. Kyle's one of those few, he's one of many men, but he's one of my, my closest confidants about the experiences you can have with psychedelics. And he's had some very, very challenging experiences. We talk a little bit about that on the show, but I, I had a personal journey with him to celebrate Paul Cech's 60th birthday party where we went very, very deep. It was one of the more challenging experiences of my life, and I I presume one of his most challenging experiences as well. It lasted for about 20 hours. Lots of purging, lots of puking, lots of stretching afterwards. And after I was able to peel myself up off the floor, he and I stumbled to Paul's house. We had dinner with him and his family. Then we stumbled back, and we stopped. Both of us stopped simultaneously and looked at the full moon, And then looked at each other and said, man, what are the odds that we were brought here together on this night in this very moment? We hugged it out and we went to bed and we've been friends ever since. We share supplements. We share stories about our own journeys in optimizing our own physical health, but also the more subtle aspects of being men and being conscious humans and being fathers We're both on the path to sovereignty. We both came from a progressive, liberal-leaning sort of political aptitude, and these past several years have brought us closer because we both realized that, gosh, in order for us to care for ourselves and our families and our communities, we're going to need a little more freedom. We're going to need the freedom to actually explore some of these, these outlets without worrying about the consequences, especially given the way that U.S. government, a corporation, seems to think that none of us are smart enough to, to figure all of this out. And if you follow Kyle on his podcast, you'll, you'll, you'll learn that he is one of the most kind-hearted people, one of the most humble people you'll ever know. But he's going to fight desperately, tooth and nail, in order to be left alone, in order to do things in his life and care for his wife and his kids in a way that he knows through his own experiences is best. And that's fatherhood. That's parenting. There's no guidebook to teach you how to care for your relationship and go through some polyamorous hurdles that uh, Tosh, his wife and I talk about on the podcast, or to raise two little kids and to teach them to be, in, in the case of Bear, a strong, conscious, sensitive, but competent young man. And Wolfie, his daughter, for her to be a strong, centered, grounded woman in a world that is highly disrespectful of women. For a man to to approach parenting like that, that is real courage. Because you don't always make a lot of friends when you start talking about vulnerabilities and shame and guilt and inadequacies. And despite all of Kyle's many endeavors and many accomplishments in life, he's the first to admit, I can be better, without whipping himself to, to pieces in the process. So I felt very, very fortunate to have my friend Kyle here on the podcast. I think uh, I'm going to let the conversation stand for itself. If you like this podcast, please go to iTunes. Give us a five-star rating. I'd really, really love to have a couple more ratings on there so that we can rise in the rankings a little bit and more people can find these conversations because these conversations are what really, really matter. From one dad to the next, please enjoy my conversation with the one and only Kyle Kingsbury.
Kyle, what's up, my brother? How goes it, brother? <laughs> so it feels weird starting off like that because it, so it feels <laughs> weird starting it off like this because we've just been talking for 25 minutes. <laughs> I know, I know. I, I went through a bag of tobacco. I finished my bottle with like Organifi in it. I thought like, oh, I'll just nurse this through. And we talked for like a half hour before we started recording. recording. You've got a lot of exciting stuff going on in your life. So um, can we talk a little bit about what, you're, what you, you and Robbie are working on? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, let's see here. Um, where do we start with that? I met Aubrey <laughs> at Paleo FX. So I did a plant medicine journey when I was living in Vegas and uh, overwhelmingly kept telling me to go to Paleo FX. And I was like, well, I already yeah. read every book from Mark Sisson and Rob Wolf, anybody I'd want to meet there. And the overwhelming message was, you're not going to learn, you're going to meet people. And so mm. I, I threw in the towel when I went to search the next day for flights, they were cut in half. Wow. My buddies at Mind Pump called me, you know, they're like, hey, be dude on our couch. We got a couple Airbnbs. You don't have to rent a car. They even paid for my food. And I was pretty broke, you know, fresh out of my fight career and just podcasting. So literally the stars lined up. I made my way out there, met Aubrey. We started trading war stories on fasting, fighting, ketogenic diets, you know, everything in between, Paul Check's teachings, you know, just my wealth of knowledge and what I had been immersed in for the last 15 years. You know, we shared the same flight home and he's like, fuck, you got to come with me to Burning Man. I'll bring you and your wife and I want you to move to Austin and work for me at Onnit. And, uh, you know, of course, Burning Man, we go, everything is a landslide victory to move to Austin. <laughs> and um, I, worked, I worked here at Onnit for three years as director of human optimization and creating and designing supplements. I hosted the Onnit podcast, which later became my own. And, you know, during that, Aubrey had had a couple journeys down in the Amazon at Don Howard's spot, Don Howard Lawler, uh, yeah. who recently passed away and uh, ran Spirit Quest with Wachuma as the major medicine. And that was always such a big medicine for Aubrey. I, I, had, I had been fortunate enough to, to go sit with Don Howard uh, before he passed, which was my wife and I's first time working with Wachuma. They, they call it the grandfather cactus. It's a very gentle medicine. I'm used to getting my yeah. ass kicked. But um, he got so much from one journey in particular where he wanted to start something called, he wasn't sure what it'd be called at that point, but he wanted to help bring the kitchen sink of his life experience mm. and all of his friends, you know, like me and, and Eric Godsey and Caitlin Howe and and bring in the experts when we didn't know stuff, but just start to seed humanity with the navigational tools to, to be the very best version of themselves. Because when mm -hmm. they increase, the, when, you know, we all know this from self-work, but when you increase your quality of life, your cup starts to spill over into everything else you do. You become better at your job, better as a partner, better as a dad, better at everything. Yeah. And life itself becomes more enjoyable. And that's, that's not the goal. It's not the pursuit of happiness, but that becomes the side effect of the inner right. work. And so right. he started Fit for Service. He made me one of the premier full-time coaches with that. And both of us transitioned away from Onnit. You know, he stepped down as CEO. Uh, I quit within a couple of weeks just because, you know, he was my only boss here. And now I had a chain of command and all sorts of shit. And I was like, this is a little bit corporate <laughs> for me. I'm just a fucking fighter and a good old boy in some ways. And, you know, not like the oligarchs, the good old boy, but, uh, <laughs> you know, just... I'd rather get punched in the face than have a fucking desk job. So if Aubrey wasn't, I mean, I mean, wasn't going to be the guy that I reported to, yeah, if he wasn't going to be the guy I had to report to, then I wasn't in. And, um, you know, we still work closely in fit for service. And really, you know, when lockdown started in March, and I wasn't sure, like a lot of people, I didn't know, like, is this the bubonic plague? Like, are we really yeah, going to get hit right. hard? Is, is this the Spanish right. flu? Like, we're going to see like 30% of the population die. I took it serious at first. I mean, I still take it serious. But for a different reason, right? And uh, yeah. I'm sure yeah. you've illuminated that here. <laughs> but um, I was really in his ear, you know, fit for service. The main juice of this is our face-to-face -face meetups. You know, we, we, mm. we've been now, we're in our fourth year, our senior year. And, you know, learning a lot for the first three years, really the medicine and the magic is in meeting up with people and taking them through the transformative experiences. And we right. do that, you know, 100% legally. We're not serving plant medicine and things like that. You know, we're, we're taking people through breath work and um, different things that really have the same ability as an altered state of yeah. consciousness as a vehicle to yeah. get outside of our ego and, and dive deep within. And we do that. We do education. You know, I'm constantly talking about Paul Check's work, how to eat, move me healthy, last four doctors you'll ever need and, and, and HLC one. And I'm getting ready to take HLC two. I think both Aubrey and I have been a funnel for Paul and, and the Czech Institute, which is, which is phenomenal yeah. because the world needs to yeah. know about Paul. 
But um, yeah, that's been that's been really good, you know. And, and when when lockdown started, it was like, oh shit! Like if they get rid of face to face meetups, we can do this online, but it's not the same thing. You know, yeah, it's really, it's right. not, it's not right. at all. The the energy transfer, and you know this in podcasting, right? Like when you get face to face with somebody, we know each other, so there's chemistry here, and and um. And I, I love you. I'm not just blowing smoke up your ass. Like you're a fucking awesome <laughs> dude, you know? So like having that love for you, we can have chemistry online. But for the most part, podcasts are always better face-to-face because you're within each yeah. other's energy fields. And it might sound yeah. woo-woo, but you know, heart math. Yeah. Heart math heart. has discovered right. this, right? You got eight, mm-hmm. an mm-hmm. eight-foot field at your heart that is constantly interacting with its environment. And when you're standing in front of somebody or sitting in front of them, your body's intelligence is interacting with one another right? So we couldn't lose that. So for really the last two years, I've been in Aubrey's year, like we need land and we need it now. And he already had a ranch in Sedona where we're doing our events in the fall. It's like, if we get a property in Texas, that'll sure up for the spring. You know, then we throw a festival somewhere where it's still, where there's still some sense of freedom. You know, not every state is the same, unfortunately, but we're going to throw a festival, you know, like a a smaller burn um, with a lot of, you know, the the higher end uh, alchemy and and uh, tools given to people that'll be this summer, but there's really the spring and the fall where we we hit Austin, Lockhart, Texas is where the ranch is, 120 acres, and then out to Sedona on a 40 acre ranch in the fall. But that that was really like a big big thing for me. And then also being a dad, and we'll talk about you know fatherhood. Yeah, yeah. People course. always talk about being a provider, but you're also a protector. And mm. you know, knowing smart grid cities are being built out. I have, you know. I have a t-shirt that says David Icke was right. I made a hundred <laughs> of them for 900 bucks. And you know, you can, I don't know if David Icke is right about lizard people and all that. <laughs> I'm just saying he was right about a lot. And um, one of the things that he was right about is smart grid cities being built out. And so, you know, we live in a brand new home. We purchased a couple of years ago. Every streetlight has a camera on it. And initially yeah. I was like, this is great. You know, I travel for podcasts, you know, the, it's under video surveillance. I won't have to worry about my wife and kids. And everybody's watching my family. (laughs) What the fuck is this for? You know, we had a guy, somebody came by in a black unmarked car and took photos of the front of our house. And I called up the builder and I said, yeah. And I said, this was early on, like within the first month. And I called the builder. I was like, Hey, where does the video footage from those cameras go? And he had no idea. And I said, that's a problem. That's a big problem. And you know, I, I, it's my understanding that that was probably an appraiser from the bank appraising the house. I was told they, somebody would be out to take photos. They wouldn't knock. So hopefully it was just that in hindsight. Um, I hope they don't make the mistake of, of entering our house uh, uninvited. But, you know, being in Texas and I've you know, made all a the terrible mistake. That into, right? That'd be a bad, that'd be a bad, a bad mistake to make. Yeah. But yeah. Um, I wanted to also surefire us, you know, what happens if it's required that we have a Vax Pass to go to, to, to Whole Foods or if they close grocery stores again or yeah. if grocery stores run out of food and toilet paper. Like what, what, what yeah. does that look like? You know, and, it, you know, I've never been a doomsday prepper. Uh, I've always laughed at people who build out bunkers for nuclear fallout and shit like that. That's not, you know, ultimately where I've gone with this. But at the same time, there was a guy on a road, I forget his name. He was writing a book kind of poking fun at, at that whole yeah. genre of yeah. people. And the more he studied it, the more he understood, like, if not, you know, fully, you know, when you get into the extreme versions of that, but partially, yeah. there was always intelligence with that. People for humanity forever, for time yeah. immemorial, as long as we've been here, always prepped for the long, hard winter. We always yeah. prepped for going without. And that meant canning and preserving foods, fruits and vegetables. If you had extra peaches you weren't going to eat and they were all going to go bad, how can I preserve that for later yeah. so that I have peaches yeah, right. in the winter time, right? Or how can I right. cure my sweet potatoes so they'll last from the fall into the winter, right? right. Like these are just general right. human skills that people had and forgot, much like hunting, right? So as I become more immersed in that, as a dad, that helps clear up bandwidth so I don't have to worry about that stuff. So this ranch in Lockhart with Aubrey has really become you know, a vehicle for fit for service, which is our, our, our life's work. It's my vocation. Simultaneously, it is a biodynamic farm. You know, I'm working with Jared mm. Picard, a buddy of ours, and brother to yep. Jason Picard, checks along a student. Uh, I'm working with Chad Johnson, who's a permaculture expert from Minnesota, which is important. You know, South Texas, mm-hmm. we've experienced a couple big, big snowstorms and freezes the last two years, colder than it's been in 30 years, back to back years, right? So, right, right. 
you know, if somebody's got their permaculture experience in Costa Rica, it's a totally different landscape. But if this guy can yeah. do that in Minnesota, yeah. he's our guy. And so we're yeah. going to build out quite a bit coming up here in a month. I got my dad coming out for a month. Aubrey's invested 200 grand into building out this farm. We're going to have high fences installed or 300 grand. Now you count the high fence. <laughs> high fences <laughs> are installed. We're going to have black buck from India and a, and a bunch of other exotic game for hunting and, and just to help heal the land. You know, we want to be yeah, in right relation yeah. with the land and we want different herbivores and ruminant animals to poop and heal the soil. And we're starting off in a great place with soil quality. We've had tests done. We're already at 3% average organic material, which is huge. I'm buddies with the guys at, at Rome Ranch. And they say that most European tilled soil is down from 8% organic material. That's where like Stamets hunts, hunts for mushrooms, 8% when nature is thriving, down to 0.5% from modern wow. farming practices, right? Not even counting glyphosate and all the shit we're spraying in the ground, 0.5%. So to start at 3% average is huge. It's a great starting yeah. space. Yeah, We were yeah. drawn to the land, the land drew us in, and um, I'm super pumped. There's nothing that's ignited me like this in, in probably since I started my fight career to really be able to heal the land and in turn allow the land to heal us. And it will be a healing center, not just for fit for service, but a 5013C church that serves Wachuma. So now legally we can participate in the very plant medicine that gave Aubrey, you know, the brilliant idea to start fit for service. And yeah. um, that's already yeah. going strong. Uh, we'll be cultivating, growing our own medicine as well, all legally and on the up and up. And, and I'm just fucking thrilled to be a part of that on every level of the game. You know, what we're, what we're going to be able to do there is truly special. And if you look at the world right now and everything that's going on in it, there's a million ways to help and they're all right. You know, yeah. It, it, yeah. We, we fail when we say like, how come nobody's cleaning up the plastic? It's such a big deal. We got to clean the plastic in the ocean. It's like, yeah, <laughs> yes. And how come nobody's cleaning the soil? They keep spraying. You no, know, Monsanto got right. bombed by bear. They didn't go away. Right. They're still around. Right. You know, and it's like, right. okay, right. yes. And how do we wake people up? There's so many people yeah. that are asleep, right? We got to work on consciousness. What's the best way yeah. for that? Well, we got to give them tools, meditation, breath work, eating right, all the four doctors. Yep. And there's more, right? So like wherever yeah. we see that need and we feel best suited to attend it, then it's our job to attend it in the way, the best way that we know how. Yeah, and consciousness right. is one of the, the, the key foundational pieces with the great reset going on or attempting to go on. This great awakening that's taking place is all about consciousness. It's all about how we view the world externally and how we interact with the world internally. And the greater we come into our own self-mastery, the greater it becomes, or the easier it becomes to really see the world as it is. And from yeah. that, you know, they say in as above, so below. Yeah, in, in, in uh, conversations with God, he says, you cannot disown something until you own it. Yeah. And I was like, man, that's, that's brilliant. <laughs> and it's, it's a hard one, right? It's a hard yeah. pill to swallow. Because, it's very confronting. Yeah. 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 And we have to acknowledge, like, there is fuckery going on in the world. And when we acknowledge that, then we can say there's a better way. Let's do something different. But it's been in my own personal experience and a lot of the people that I know who have had some sort of awakening to not just a personal awakening, but an awakening to the way the world is, the way the, an awakening to the way law is set up, an awakening to the way our governments work or, yeah. or not work, you know, the way that big pharma works. And, and it takes some, some genuine self-work to be able to accept that and not crumble from the weight of it. You know, I had a, a full-blown death process, which required grieving, loss, you know, all yeah. the five stages of grief. Yeah. From letting the world that I thought I was in die to being able to accept the world as it is today. And that process yeah. went on hard, hard for the better part of December of 2020 through last year. But I mean, the alchemy of that has been special. And, and where I'm at now is I've never been better. So when you go into the grocery store or your local drugstore and you walk down the prenatal vitamin aisle, you're going to see that a lot of the formulas there that come as gummies, that come as pills, you got to take one a day. And despite you taking that, you know, religiously, you're still finding that about 95% of women are nutrient deficient in pregnancy. So fortunately, there's a new company in the, in the, the space called Needed, and they make a prenatal multi-essentials product that's super easy to take. You take three capsules per day, and it gives you all of the essentials that you and your baby need. Their prenatal multi-essentials product includes supportive doses of 24 essential vitamins and minerals, including active folate, 
choline, which is important for the baby's brain and neurodevelopment, two active forms of vitamin B12 in order to manage mama's stress and energy levels, and active B6, which, if you didn't know, is like the number one thing I recommend to people for nausea. Needed is thoughtful about the mama's needs, their daily routines, so they want to make this as easy as possible for you. If you're feeling newly pregnant and feeling nauseous, you can start with the prenatal multi-essentials, which includes that vitamin C, B6, which helps you stomach the rest of the nutrition that you're taking in. And then when you're feeling better, you can then easily pop over other products, which include the prenatal multi-capsules or the powder options. There's no company I recommend more when it comes to meeting your prenatal vitamin needs than needed. So try it for yourself. Go to thisisneeded.com. All one word, no dots, no dashes. Thisisneeded.com. Use code BELOVED, B-E-L-O-V-E-D, and you'll save 20% at checkout. Please go check them out, guys. You won't be disappointed. Let's get back to the show. I feel like the better my interviewing skills get, the less I have to actually even intervene. Um, I really think that that is... If you were to dissect any little part of what you just said, I think that what we're being faced with is that that consumers, I mean, you, you could take any of those and create a whole podcast episode. Let's start with that. But I think that what you and I have both been experiencing, coming from very, very different backgrounds, you know, you and I are like the odd couple, although we have the most, like some very important things in common. And I think that those things that drew you and I together are the same things that, the, that consumers are starting to realize now about the world. You know, that, for example, that, that these oversight government bodies and whatnot are not necessarily here and working day in and day out just to keep us safe or to do what's right for the masses or whatever else. So, so what that means is that we can't turn to the, 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 you know, the, the eye in the sky to necessarily deliver us from our own pain and our own, our own obstacles. It's really, it's really forcing people to reconcile what is it that you can do for your health or your family or your children or how about like just make your bed when you wake up in the morning? Like just let's just start with some some very simple uh, discipline and personal responsibility. The next topic I, I really want to get into with you is that for people who don't know you, they may know you as a UFC fighter, right? Former UFC fighter. You're I don't know how tall are you? Like ten feet tall? How tall? <laughs> I'm six three. I'm not quite six ten three. feet. Six three. Yeah, I'm taller than most people. You have like my waist size and you're as wide as my wingspan. <laughs> and I think if people saw you and were to judge you from your time at the UFC, they would say, wow, this is a guy who's extremely intense, bringing this intensity into the conversation, talking about guns, talking about moving on to land, talking about, you know, fuck the system and this and that. And I appreciate that about you. But, the, but then also, I've gone into ceremony with you, and we've had some really, really heart-to-heart conversations. I stayed with your family. You've got a lovely wife and kids. The topic of this podcast is generally, how can we better care for women? And if we want to fix the world, how can we you know, do that by, by seeing women's health care or even the care for ourselves in the way that we connect with ourselves through a different lens? But one thing that I was so struck with when I met you was that despite the intensity that you bring to... Um, to your life w- with everything through experimentation, through your exercise, etc. You then sit with your little boy or your wife or, or your little girl and you have this tenderness to you. And I don't know where that came from. Um, I know that you've done a lot of plant medicines, mushrooms, you know, those types of things. But I'm really curious to hear from you, Kyle. At what point did you decide, to, like notice this shift taking place in order for you to show up as a more complete man? that is not only just bringing the intensity, but also bringing the tenderness and the space holding for your children and your wife and community? That's a phenomenal question. Thank you, brother. First, let me just say, you know, my life was challenging from a first world perspective. You know, my parents mm. fought all the fucking time. There was a lot of verbal abuse and, and it was the opposite of nonviolent communication. I've had, I have a great relationship right now with my father and my mother. We've come a long way and my sister as well. I have one sibling. But all throughout that, I never, there was never a lack of love. You know, both my, mm. my dad would wrestle with me constantly. Both my parents, I, I have never, I don't know if they've even read the five love languages, but I'm pretty confident that everyone in my immediate family growing up and everyone in my family right now, we're all touch as the number one um, sign for yeah. love. Being able to wrestle and play with my dad, I, those are my favorite memories. You know, and my mom, she'd, she'd yell sometimes if I was getting hurt or, or getting upset. She's like, knock it off. You know, she'd get pissed off and worked up from it because <laughs> she came from a violent home. But she was always super loving, you know, and, and 
very affectionate, you know, and I think mm. that that seed was planted from very young. Like it was okay to show love through touch. It was okay to hold people. It was okay to snuggle at any fucking age. And I remember like, you know, I'd, I'd walk out of the UFC fight out of the cage and my mom, whether I won or lost, would want to hold me. She'd want to mother me, you know, and I'd be like, get off me, mom, you know, but she just, that, that she'd never stopped mm. wanting that. I'm always mm. her little boy. And it took me having my own kids to get it where I was like, oh, okay, I get it, mom. You're not a fucking weirdo. <laughs> it will always be my little guy, my little boy, my little girl. I get it now, you know. I actually had a, um, you know, plant medicines were a big part of that. In my very first journey, it was the second vision I had that day with ayahuasca. I became my mom. And as my mom, I grew Kyle in my belly, but on time lapse. So it was sped up. And I could just Whoa. feel over the course of, you know, several minutes, I just watched my belly expand. I felt all of her feelings for the nine months. I felt incredible nervousness about being a mother for the first time. I felt incredibly unprepared. I felt the, all of the want and desire to do it better than my parents had done as my mom. Mm. And I could feel the genuine love she had for this little boy growing inside her belly. And I could also feel that love from my husband. Kyle's dad coming over and kissing the belly and rubbing and sending all the fucking energy. I could feel the waves of love Whoa. coming from his kiss and his beard touching my belly as my mom. You know, I came out of that and just floodgates, you know, hmm. I cried so hard because we had such a fucking weird relationship, you know, growing up and, yeah. and even fighting. I lived in my mom's detached garage for five years, you know, I was dead broke as a fighter. And we still butted heads when I was in the fucking UFC. I lived walking distance from her fucking house, you know? So I was like, we're still doing, bumping into shit that I did when I was 19. And I was 30 yeah. when we were doing that, you know? And I was like, it's just yeah. a weird relationship. But that really showed me the amount of love beyond words that she's always had for me from the jump. You know, the amount of care, the amount of nerves, the amount of all the, the human feelings that a first, the first time mom has. You know, and it was the ultimate perspective change where I could really be her through that and then come out of it and feel the overwhelming emotions that she's had watching me fuck up and, you know, mm. cleaning me up, making sure I didn't die from choking on my own vomit from over drinking and, you know, taking me to the hospital when I've been hit in the back of the head with a beer bottle at 17, just every little thing. Bringing me to the hospital on my 18th birthday when my friend broke my jaw in two places and watching me get wired shut for six weeks. You know, like she was there yeah, for was all like... of it. Um, she was there for our, the, the first birth of, um, of a bear for our child. You know, she came with us to Stanford Hospital. We flew her in to, to be at the home birth for Wolf. You know, she's been with me every step of the way. And so that tenderness, I think, has always lived inside me. And, and you know, it is a common misnomer to think of fighters as like the ferocious asshole, mm. you know, I think a lot of them are teddy bears. I hung with Chuck Liddell for his last two fights in the UFC and I lived with him for six weeks and he's, you know, one of the greatest of all time and he is a big teddy yeah. bear and he's fucking hilarious and he's just a great guy to be around, <laughs> but he's got kids and, you know, he is, he's that he is, he is just as soft as he is hard. And, um, I think that's a pretty common trait. The same thing with my teammates, Kane. All the dads, you know, that fight, Ryan Bader, Kane Velasquez, there is that tenderness in them. And that didn't take a whole lot of cultivation, but the plants really did give some perspectives that I couldn't have got anywhere else. You know, they've been such an an integral part of my life in transitioning from fighting and being able to let go of that identity and not stuck to it. Like, this is what I do. This is who I am. I was like, no, that's what I did. And it was awesome. And when I learned as much as I could from it, I didn't need to hold on to that any longer, you know, and and still having no idea what I was going to do. I was able to to face the unknown and and walk the path with just being guided through intuition and desire. What do I want to do? I don't know, but I'm going to keep learning the things that I'm into. I'm going to keep learning about health and wellness. I'm going to keep studying this stuff. I'm going to transition a little bit from optimization into longevity and healing uh, brain damage, which was certainly... Uh, top of the ticket, you know, it's been, it's been a great path. And then the thing that softens you the most is, is when you become a dad, because everything yeah. that, everything that's undealt with from your own childhood will come back up. When we had bear, I went through a ton of shit with my dad, you know, really feeling back and at different stages too. You know, when we first started needing to discipline bear and first getting pushback, it was like, holy shit. Like I just saw the whole thing differently. I saw my entire childhood differently. I saw the the pain of 
not knowing how to do it and really lived that. Whereas like, I don't yeah. know what to do. I don't know how to get the behavior to change. I don't know how to hold space for my son right now. And, you know, we've really, my wife and I have rabbit holed a ton of books upon, you know, her guidance and intuition. The Soul of Discipline by Kim Jong Payne is one of my favorites. Yeah. Uh, and I could list a lot of books, but I don't need to. He's got a fantastic podcast. Some of them are 10 minutes long, 15 minutes long, but he almost has like an Eckhart Tolle presence for parenting. And you can take in these little nuggets and just let them seep in like seeds in the soil. That to me has been an excellent tool for reimagining a different way to parent because you can do all the plant medicine in the world, but you're still up against your shadow. You're still up yeah. against your conditioning. Right. And if I was raised a certain way, all of the books in plant medicine aren't going to change me. I must change me through action, right? And that's really a lot harder in practice. It's so much harder in practice than it is on paper because intellectually we can grab that and say like, oh, of course, mm. this is much better. You know, like the, they say that most ways that parents react are either with abuse, physical or verbal. You know, these three things, you've got abuse on some level. And then we say, okay, abuse is wrong. What do we go to next? Yelling. Yeah. Right. And then when we move, we say, oh, yelling's wrong. I don't, that's, that's verbally abusive. Let me drop that further. And then you go into explanation mode. Right. It's mm. <laughs> so only because like we've, I mean, I, we've never abused our kids, but we spanked at different times. You could call that abuse. I don't, I don't, I still don't think it's abuse. It just doesn't work. That's one yeah. reason not to do yeah. it. Like it literally <laughs> doesn't work. Yeah. And, um, when that didn't work, we've yelled, that doesn't work. And then we over explain shit that doesn't work. And then eventually you come back to, being the governor. You don't need to explain. You're yeah. the parents. If you come into explanation mode, now you've made yourself equals with your kids. And that's part of the problem where when like psychologists say, kid's not your best friend, don't make him your best friend. It's kind of a double-edged thing there, right? Like, yes, yeah. of course you're friends with your kids. And of course you will be lifelong friends with your kids if you have any kind of decent relationship with them. But you're not there adolescent friends. You're not their right. their six-year-old, five-year-old, four-year-old colleagues. You're the adult. And even yep. if you don't have it figured out, which none of us do, you can't make it appear that way, right? So yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> you have to govern as a governor would, which needs no explanation. It's just, we don't hit our little sister. I don't yeah. need to explain why, right? Like, yeah. don't do that. Right. We don't do that. Right. And I think the more we govern and hold our kids, there's a great book by Gabor Mate and his son and another doctor called Hold On To Your Kids. Yep. And it talks a lot about uh, quality attachment styles that you can build from things like co-sleeping and literally holding your kids. And um, there's a cool children's book called Jilly's Terrible Temper Tantrums, where this, you know, this little, um, what is she? I keep thinking Australian. She's a kangaroo. And the daddy kangaroo always runs over when she's having a temper tantrum and picks her up and holds her. He says, it's all right, Jilly, and talks to her. And even though that's not an Aussie <laughs> accent. Uh, and, and, and the beauty in that is that it that, that actually does work, right? If my yeah. son's upset, Sometimes he just needs to be held. And if he doesn't want to be held, I can give him space. But eventually, when he calms down, he needs to be held. And so yeah, the more I can yeah. circle to affection and love and the love that transcends words, then that moves beyond a point of explanation into, hey, I yeah. love you. And I know you don't feel yeah. good. Uh, we can't do it that way. Can we do it a different way? And from that yeah. space of calm, we can actually move the needle and get behavior change. You know, and yeah. it's not... It's not easy by any means. I'm not saying that it is. It's always a clusterfuck. And there's a lot of reasons for that. You know, modern society in and of itself is not set up for parents to do well. The nuclear yeah. family is not how we did it. You know, they, the old saying, it takes a village is not cliche. It literally yeah. took the entire tribe and it was not the parents. In conversations with God, they have another brilliant thing. They talk about uh, a lot of what the Native Americans believed in the Hopi and that if you're the, the child, they, they say the child rearer, is not designed to be the child raiser. And one of the examples God gives through Neil Donald Walsh is kids as young as nine years old can get pregnant. You know, in your teens, early yeah. teens, you're for sure you can get pregnant, right? So 13, 14 years old, can a 13 or 14 year old raise a kid? No, we know that, right? Yeah, right. But then we think 30, 40, you should raise kids. Like, no, if you can still have kids, you have not ascended to the wise elder. And the wise elders were the ones that raised the kids. And we did right. that for millennia, right? Like they raised the, the elders, raised the kids and they had enough yeah. life experience where they didn't, they weren't still looking for themselves. They knew God, they knew spirit, they knew themselves and they had lived and made all the fuck up so they could hold that space for the kids. 
we don't have the opportunity for that, right? Like even if you live in a multi-generational home, you likely have not wise elder parents that are parenting your kids. You've got some <laughs> indoctrinated <laughs> older parents that likely made fuck-ups yeah. with you, and you have a very hard time leaving your kids with them, but you want space. That's not the same thing as a tribe. And so, you know, quite unlikely we're going to rebuild that model of parenting into our lifetime. So just give yourself the peace and understanding that this is not how it was designed to be. Right, right. It's not the best model. And for all the moms out there who are really wrapping their heads around how impossibly difficult it is and challenging it is to raise kids on your own, whether you're a single mom or your husband's gone at work all day, um, or you're living at the bus, we moved to Texas, we've got no family here. It's really fucking hard. And yeah. to, to give yeah. yourself a pat on the back for saying yes to that and still doing the best job that you can, that's super important. And it's not just a hocus pocus thing. Like I want everyone to hug themselves right now and, and, you know, do some daily Stuart Smalley affirmations. I'm, you know, I'm a good, good person. Enough. I'm, I'm a good person, and... a parent. Yeah. <laughs> dug on it. People like me, right? Like you don't need to dig it that far, but like, like seriously, congratulate yourselves because we're in a human experiment. It's always been a human experiment. And some methods of the experiment have gone really well. They're time-tested. It was understood why they worked. And some of that's been disbanded. You know, the individuation yeah. process that we're all in and the rise of the individual has led to many great things, but it's also come at a cost. And that cost yeah. is a working relationship for kids to have with elders. And we, because we don't have yeah. that, um, it's an uphill battle. So moms, yeah. you're doing great. Yeah. Dads, you're doing great. And um, Kim Jong Payne's awesome. If you got ten minutes to listen to one of his podcasts, yeah, the Soul of Discipline. Yeah, his podcast is great. Your your wife Tosh, she turned me on to that um, to that podcast because it's nice. It's like nine ten minute little snippets of like, gosh, how did I not think about that? <laughs> it's like super <laughs> commonsensical stuff too. Um, one thing I wanted to highlight, Kyle, as I was listening to you to talk, is that. I think the vast majority of people, uh, even a lot of people that, you know, that want to, they want to become a health coach, they're, you know, they're check practitioners, they're, um, their ego drives them into, into medicine or, um, into fighting or whatever else is that we find role models in our life that, you know, maybe on the surface, it seems like you're the, the, the sort of superhero, every man, um, you never make mistakes. You've got perfect abs, chiseled shoulders. You eat perfectly, you, you, you live your life perfectly, and if you're a perfect dad, then you're going to have perfect kids. And, you know, from that is this, this mentality that, like, you know, no pain, no gain, and that, that type of, you know, attitude that gets us working out really, really hard in the gym. And I want to give everybody out there permission to, like you said, to give yourself a pat on the back, but also to, to acknowledge that you don't have to be the everyman. Like whenever you become a father, I always tell moms and dads when they consult with me, like you guys have, are going through a portal together. The woman giving birth, the father of the baby, whoever else is there, and, and, and especially this little baby, you guys are transforming in spirit. Like this is a rite of passage for a reason. This is not an easy thing to do. And it's especially hard for the woman giving birth physically but whenever you ask people in retrospect, they describe it as a bit of a psychedelic journey, especially the woman. I mean, there's all these hormones, you know, flushing and going around your body. But then you come through the portal and you emerge on the other side as a different person. And to not acknowledge that your identity and that, that your sort of role here is going to shift a little bit, I think leads to a lot of suffering. You know, we don't acknowledge that like, wow, your, your, your perception of the world and, and what being human means changes dramatically when you become a father. And if you're not willing to make that, uh, to, to kind of cross through that, that portal with your partner, I think it does lead to a lot of suffering. You know, like, yes, you're going to still be able to work out. Yes, you're still going to go to Burning Man. We're going to Burning Man with our two kids this year and we're going to stop by and hang out with you guys. Yeah. But the, uh, you know, what, what I'm trying to emphasize is that people think like, okay, we're bringing kids into the world. They're going to have to play by our rules. We're not going to change anything. We're still going to have raging wild sex every night. And if I don't do those things, then I'm doing something wrong. And I want everybody just to like pause and, and just acknowledge that if whether or not you have kids, I assure you things are going to change. They're probably going to change for the better, especially if you can sit back and give yourself a fucking break. Yeah, breaks breaks are super important. But yeah, the the sex game is funny. It's so funny. So I'm like, man, you know, Aubrey and and his new wife Ilana who's um 
been a longtime friend of ours. It's it's hilarious because they're diving into tantric sex and all the sex magic and cool stuff. And I'm like, all right, get it in now, buddy. Get it in now. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You guys are going to have kids. Right. And, then, and then we'll watch that. You'll, you'll get to cultivate that later. But it's a beautiful thing because, um, you know, it's like Paul says, you, you sooner or later, health will become your number one concern. Yeah. Right? You can either make it yeah. your number one concern now or on your deathbed, it's your number one concern. Yeah. But sooner or later, it yeah. becomes your number one concern. And sooner or later, you learn patience in life. Yeah. Right? You can either cultivate yeah. patience now or, or the pressing hand will be there where you're like, now you get to wait. Now you get to wait. Yeah. Oh, man, now I got to wait. All right. But, um, you know, there's, there's beauty in that too. You know, there's beauty in, in whenever the connection time does get to happen. And it truly is the stars line up, right? Like I could, I could take the day off from work during the week, give Tosh a big break from the kids and Wolfie's up all night long. You know, it's like, there's just things like that. You know, you just get curveballs left and right from your kids, especially when you have more than one. That's just a part of it. The more you learn to roll with the punches, the easier it becomes. But if you, you know, if you're steadfast, like, oh yeah, you know, then it hurts a lot worse. Right. So it's just a matter of taking things in stride and keep moving, you know, and trust. Yeah. It does get easier. It does get better. Jamie Wills is a friend of mine and a mentor and he's a little bit older. I like to think of him like, I like to think of myself as on Jamie's trajectory with psychedelics and parenthood. But he, you know, he wrote, he co-authored Stealing Fire with Stephen Kotler. Steve Kotler, yeah. Because he couldn't write the whole book by himself while he had kids in the house. He waited until he was an empty nester to write Recapture the Rapture, which is all on sex magic. That was his like life's work. Here you go. I got to do it when I'm an empty nester because the amount of time that takes would pull me away from being a dad. And, mm-hmm. and when I, you know, not everyone does it that way, but like fucking kudos to Jamie, right? Because he gets it. He, as, a, as a father who has made mistakes, he understood, I'm, you know, wherever the pitfalls were, he's not going to make that mistake. Yeah. Paul checks, one of the first guys to state, you know, he, he will tell you directly the mistakes he made with Paul Jr. when he was a young man and a businessman. Yeah. And really, you know, I got off the, I had a two hour call with him this morning and he was talking about how he really put his business ahead of his firstborn son. Because when he was young, they didn't have money. That led to a lot of fights, physical, yeah. physical and verbal yeah. fights, right? And he saw that his friends that did come from wealthy families, they had nice cars, they had a nice home, and the parents were calm. The parents could work through normal arguments, right? Mm. So for him, <laughs> money meant safety, money meant security, and money meant a working family. And it, did, and, you know, it took him a lot of growth and a lot of hardship you know, to get through the point where he could realize now with his, his youngest two kids that there is balance that must be taken as a dad. And, um, yeah. you know, that's, that's a super important life lesson, but we can draw from each other. We can draw from the Paul checks and the Jamie wheels and, and we can learn that ahead of time. So guys like you and me don't make those mistakes. And I think that's, that's really brilliant yeah. to have access to people like that. So simultaneously wearing the hat of a holistic OBGYN, a compassionate, patient-centered palliative care doctor, monetizing and continuing to put out great content through a podcast, being a great husband, raising two little girls, two years old and four months old, my attention is everywhere. And so in order to maintain the quality of my podcast interviews, I start every single episode with a scoop of Organifi Pure. This is a powder Take one little scoop, you add it to your drink mix shaker, some clean water, perhaps use a Berkey filter, then you make it coherent with an Analema water wand, and you add a scoop of Pure. And it does some magical things. It does some very, very magical things. It contains coffee fruit, which will boost your brain activity, similar to the way that, uh, that coffee does. It contains lion's mane, which is also known as the, the focus mushroom. It looks like a beard, like Neptune's beard, the way that this mushroom grows. I use it in a whole bunch of therapies with my clients. It has some neurogenic properties, and it works synergistically with a lot of other mushrooms. It's rich in antioxidants, supports all aspects of brain health. Aloe vera, which actually promotes absorption of these components from the gut into the bloodstream. Baobab, which is indigenous to the continent of Africa, sub-Saharan Africa specifically. Rich antioxidant. And then apple cider vinegar, which is a fermented vinegar that uh, stimulates HCL production in order to further enhance digestion and absorption. I can't recommend Organifi's product line enough. Every single time I do one of these ads, 
I think, gosh, what product do I want to talk about today? And I happen to be drinking pure as we speak. So go to Organifi.com. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com slash beloved, B-E-L-O-V-E-D. And you can save 20% off of your purchase of Organifi Pure. Let's get back now to my conversation with Kyle. Yeah, I think that there's so much power in just acknowledging sometimes that I don't know, or I'm afraid, or I don't know what the fuck I'm doing, you know? And I remember when we, our first daughter was born, I probably told you a little bit about this, but Penelope, uh, when she was about six months, maybe five months, I was finding that like when I have a little baby, I'm holding her and she's just screaming and I can't do anything to make her feel better. She's got growing pains. She's maybe hungry. She's maybe pooped her diaper again for the 15th time this hour. Maybe she just needs mom. Maybe she like misses like my wife's chest and how she smells and I can't give her that. So like my ego is like, you're not good. You can't do this. You, you can't give her what she needs. Like, like, why'd you even get into this whole business of being a dad in the first place? And it was so confronting for me that I was like, all right, when my wife and the baby left town one weekend, I was like, I'm going deep. And I took like a whole pile of medicine and a whopper. Gosh, ended up in this, uh, in this really, really challenging experience. And, uh, you know, found myself walking down a hallway with all this information, like everything you ever wanted to know about everything. It was like the Akashic records. I got to the end of the hallway and I got to an edge. And on the other side was not darkness. It was nothing. Like it was nothingness. And I was like, oh, this is weird. Like here I am teetering on the edge of this, this cliff. And then I'm looking around and it's like, well, what is this? And then there was a shove from behind and I fell into this void. And the message for me that came through, the God nod, so to speak, was that like you can do this if everything that you ever believed about yourself was, was, was merely a reflection of the information you've obtained or the experience you've obtained and how like your journey, your ego's journey then you're missing the point because this little girl needs a part of you. Like your identity can't be the same as it used to be. You have to be able to give her something. And that something you can give to a five-month-old is space. You just witness that it's hard being a baby, not being able to express what you need. Like that is your role in some cases as a dad. That's all that your role is. And that's the only thing you really have to offer. So I came out of that. And I, at that point, like I remember the album started turning from Parangi to Tool. And I was like, oh no, oh no. So I, I left out of bed and stopped it. <laughs> and I laid back in bed and went out cold and woke up and uh, the bassinet is in our bedroom. And I saw the bassinet and I saw my daughter's face and my dog was like nuzzled right up against me because I think she could tell I needed some support. And it was just waterworks for four hours. It was like, it was like the, the final straw that had to break my ego's back in order for me to really open myself up to being a dad. And that's not the way everybody goes about this, but they're, you know, like you said, sometimes plant medicines really do help us see past the veil and see who you really are and what you're really here to do. And and, in so many ways, like I wouldn't take a million dollars a day if I couldn't spend time with my little girls. And that's, that's a part of growing up. Like that's a part of why we need mentors. And and I, I think that you're a mentor to many people, Kyle, because, you know, you come with this intensity in life and you're so good at so many different things and you're so well-read and you're so highly intelligent and you seem to have it all figured out. But I'm wondering, I, I, you know, my next question for you was that for people that are on looking as like, wow, this guy has it all figured out. I know you better than that. And, and I want to, I want to ask you, what is the voice in your head tell you? Like, what does your negative self-talk look like? Oh, that's a good one. I see. I thought you were going to, I thought you were going to ask me that's great too, because I thought I thought you were gonna pull out the uh, the what do you what do you not have figured out? Not the not the inner critic. <laughs> so here well, I am I, guessing I, I your know. question. I didn't even get your question right. <laughs> I was preparing because the inner to critic that. changes every day. So yeah. you know, so it's at, demanding something new of you every day. But what is that to- that self talk? That negative self talk, especially the inner. I I can say I don't have it all figured out uh, by any means. Nobody does. Um, but with that. The inner critic, it's not gone. It never goes away. It's an archetype, yeah. right? But but at the same yeah. time, my recognition of that has improved so much over the years. So so in football, I played football since I was ten years old, up through Arizona State, where I you know was a bench warmer and and would get in like two or three plays a game if I was lucky. And my inner critic was dog shit. 
I mean, I, hmm. I literally beat myself up. If I fucked up on a play and didn't tackle a guy, I would punch myself in the helmet over and over again until the coach pulled me off wow. the field, like shit like that, you know? And fighting, I had to hone that because you're the only guy in there. You know, your coach can't bail you out. <laughs> Nobody can bail you out, right? So like if I'm, and I remember having fights where I never really mastered this in fighting, um, but I made it a primary thing to work on when I retired because I hadn't mastered it in fighting. But there was fights where, I'd get taken down and the inner critic would start rather than getting back up. I would, I would literally think, well, now, you know, he just got another takedown. That's three for the round. Uh, he's for sure won the round on points. And unless you get a knockout, you're for sure going to lose. Yeah. You're going to, and you're not going to knock him out. You're going to lose. You know, like that, that literally would be going mm. through my head rather than stand in base, frame the guy awake, whatever I actually needed to do to, to win or to get back to my feet, you know, like that, that, none of the, none of the chain of command was there. It was just negative self-talk all for 15 yeah. fucking minutes. So I was getting my ass beat and then more negative self-talk after the fight. Right. <laughs> if it was bad during the fight, it was way worse. Just after kick the fight. a dog while it's down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, eventually I started working with sports psychologists on visualization, on breath work. And I had a couple of them. Um, they helped a lot, but it really was the plants that, that started to, to help me to confront that part of myself and see it as, you know, all of the archetypes live within us, but none of them inherently are us, you know, in their singular form, right? Like what the inner critic has to say can be useful if I understand how to work with it, but that's not the totality of who I am, right? I'm not right. just this negative right. person that, that shits on myself anytime I make a mistake. So with that level of space, when the inner critic comes in, can I recognize it as a point to make? Instead of just shooing it away, like, oh, quiet mind, quiet the inner critic. You're not there. You're not there. I'm mm -hmm. good. Everything, the, there's nothing the inner critic's saying that that's correct. I'm, I'm all of the things that I hope to be. No, the inner critic probably has something valuable to say. And if I can just take it with a grain of salt rather than living and dying and hanging on every word, then I can utilize that, right? So the inner critic might come in and say, you're going to hurt tomorrow when you eat like shit right now. There's a common example because I don't eat perfectly, right? So I may have the inner critic come in. Sometimes the inner critic comes from my wife. Well, she's like, why are you getting a second plate of rice? You know, <laughs> and I don't do well with white rice, but I love it, you know? So I'm like, I don't know. Maybe it's the candida that are, that are screaming for it. They're like, feed me. Feed me more starch. <laughs> yeah, eat more starch. It'll be fine, you know? And, and there's sometimes we're all making an excuse like, oh, I did heavy back squats. I can get away with it. And there's other times where I'm like, no, you're right. And that could be for me or it could be my wife where I'm like, you're right. I don't need a second plate of white rice. If I'm still hungry, maybe I'll have some keto pudding or, or, um, or, or I'll just relax for a bit, let my food digest, and then I'll have like a, a Organifi gold drink with some heavy cream in it, you know, heavy, heavy coconut cream. And then usually if I make that decision, that's a win, right? So yeah, there's a book, I think I'm, if I get it right, called The Power of Kabbalah, which is all on the Kabbalistic teachings, but it's a very basic book. And you don't have to be Jewish to, to grasp the concepts. The Kabbalah works a lot with archetypes. And you know, one of the things that they say is the mastery, and again, this is a terrible paraphrasing. It's much deeper than this. But part of life's mastery is learning how to utilize the soul or the high self's desire and to have asceticism with the egoic desire. So the egoic desire might be, hmm. I really want that piece of cake, or I really want um, this thing, the second plate of white rice. And if I could say, maybe I don't need that, maybe I'll feel better if I don't, and I have asceticism with that, not asceticism completely, where I'm like, I'm yeah. going to fast every day and just eat the sun with sun gazing, not to that extreme. It turns out that little bit of asceticism goes a long way. And then I have less inflammation. Right. My brain works better. I feel better. I sleep better. Um, my body's less sore the next day. You know, so those are little wins that actually magnify and compound over time. There's a great book called Atomic Habits by James Clear. I had him on the podcast years ago when, the, when it came out. And he talked about the LA Lakers when Pat Riley was the coach and Magic Johnson was on the team and they had a great run yeah. in the NBA finals. And um, he said, you know, I don't care. I don't want to have the best defensive team. I don't want to have the best shooting team. I want everyone to get 2% better in the most important things that basketball has. Passing, shooting, defense, rebounding, and... and um, yeah, one other one, <laughs> whatever the five were, yeah. but it's just 2% better, right? And I think if we give ourselves permission to just take baby steps, um, there's an old football quote that I love too, inch by inch, life's a cinch, yard by yard, life is hard. 
Mm. And so if I can chunk it just a little win, a little win is turning down the whole piece of cake. It's like, I'll eat a bite. Or the little win is I don't need a second plate of white rice. And then that little win could be, I'm not eating it tonight. I don't need it. You know, I'm just going to have greens and a steak and I'll be fine from that. And then I feel really good the next day, right? So I think having a working relationship with the inner critic, which is always there, has been one of the greatest gifts that I've received from plant medicines and the inner work because it, it isn't something that goes away, but it's almost comical now. You know, like I recognize it when it, come, it comes in and it's just kind of like, hey, bud, <laughs> you know, like, yep, you're a part of the squad. Uh, you're not the only voice on the inside. And then with that, you know, I give my... Per- self-permission to make mistakes. You know, the yeah. inner critics, the hardest by far, if I fuck up with bear by far, you know, I, and I've had many journeys where I've gone in, you know, and I've dealt with a situation with my son where I made a mistake months after the fact, you know, a year after the fact, yeah. and I got to sit with that for five hours and that five hours, you know, when you cross the threshold is eternity. There's no such thing as yeah. time if the dose is deep enough. That to me is the greatest impetus because I know my soul is not going to let me just brush something under the rug. You know, as we all know, if you've been down the rabbit hole, anything that you've, you know, any skeletons you've got in your closet, they're going to come out. They're going to come out when you get in the ultimate state, whether it's breath work or, you know, a routine with flotation, sensory deprivation tanks and things like that. Like, like there is a way to hack into that. And once you do, what will you find there? Right. So understanding that that's been a great guiding force with me to take a deep breath and slow down when I don't know, you know, if I'm feeling anger rise and it's like, I want to do this, this, and this. And I, my dad's in there and I'm fucking ready to go. And it's like, ah, yeah. Okay. I'm still fucking heated. I need a minute, you know? Yeah. And then from that break, then I can go through with it. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I think, I don't have mastery in that yet, but I, I've come so far from where I used to be with the inner critic that it's not, it's not a high point of my focus anymore. It's something where I, I have a good working relationship with it. And, you know, it is quite common where it's something as small and silly as food and it can be as big as, you know, a, a blow up with bear, but always, you know, there's love and compassion for that. You know, there's, there's that yeah. deep seated remembrance of like at the end of the day, and this is no spiritual bypass, but you know, when you make it to God, all is forgiven. There's mm-hmm. no judge, but the judge that exists within ourselves. There is yeah. no judgment day. There is no guy you know, in the sky. Uh, there's no St. Peter saying if you get through the gates or not. And there's no hell, but the hell we create for ourselves. So with those yeah. fundamental understandings of consciousness, it is my work to do, to, to be of a certain way to where I don't have the self-punishment, to where I don't have the hard self-reflection necessary for eternity in a plant medicine journey, you know? And, and I think that's been a great guidepost as well when it comes to working with the inner critic. Yeah. You're clearly a, of the breed of somebody who is perpetually trying to get better as a man, as a friend, as a father, as a husband, but you also come at it with a certain humility that I think so many men uh, would benefit from. It's not it's not, you know, your fight record is not your identity. For you, it's, it's like, how have I bounced back from those times when I felt like I wasn't enough? Um, and that serves us. That's, that, that's, there's some medicine in that, in that sort of uh, approaching life in that way that, hey, like, it's going to be okay. Again, give yourself a break because nobody else is going to do that for you. You know, there's, there's no medicine out there to, to, that, that eases the suffering that comes from the inner critic. And I do think that that is for men, especially when we're modeled that it's not okay to, you know, emotionally express yourself. You know, it's, it's uh, not okay to cry. It's not, it's, you know, don't show too much excitement about anything. Just kind of ride that wave of life and be stoic and all this other stuff. Like there are times when that's really critical and important, especially in times of crisis. But man, I can't tell you how many times I've cried with my daughter just because, you know, she started saying, thank you, Dada, recently. And I mean, God, is that not the greatest thing? She has figured out how to put three words together to show appreciation for me. And I, all I did was open the door for her. And she looks up and says, thank you, Dada. I mean, there's, there's something so um, innocent but, but pure about the love that your kids can have for you. And if we can just accept that, like, I got to just do my best. And tomorrow's a new day. And hopefully we make the right 
dietary decisions and we, we follow the check principles and we live our best life. But even when we're off course there a little bit, like you did your best, like, let's go back and let's try this again, you know? And, and I do think that it's important for men to not be so hard on themselves. Um, and it's okay to cry guys. It's okay to like connect with your wife and your daughter and to like really, really, really honor how special it is that they get to be a part of your life. And, um, Kyle, I'm very honored to have you as my friend. I really am. Okay, brother. Ditto. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's been a, a real pleasure to see you and chat with you again. Yeah, absolutely, brother. I appreciate you. And I thank you for having me on. Yeah. How can people find you? What's, what's the best, uh, best way? Uh, Kyle Kingsbury podcast. Check me out there. And it's an awesome podcast. Yeah. You've been a guest. So we've got some great <laughs> guests, Charles Eisenstein, lots of awesome people. Um, Paul Check's been on it more than anyone else. Many reasons for that. Uh, fitforservice.com. If you guys want to check out any of the work that we're doing and the events that we have coming up, it's an excellent way to get face-to-face time and, and really get to connect. And, and, um, I love what I do. So that, that comes through the work and, and, uh, yeah. so does, you know, the, the amazing team that we have there. So it's been, it's been really cool being a part of that. And those are the best ways. Also living with the Kingsburys on Instagram, even though you got to spell it perfectly or else you, you won't find <laughs> us <laughs> thanks to the shadow band. Um, if you're yeah. on Zion, Zion's a great app. It's peer-to-peer, decentralized, uh, built on the blockchain network through Lightning. So that is the future of social media. And they're not letting everyone in droves in right now. But, um, you know, JP Sears and I have been really been um, huge proponents for that as a means to, to shape the future. And, you know, it's, it's, it is not the answer, but it is an answer yeah. to a lot of the censorship going on right now in social media. And, um, video platforms like YouTube. I just had my podcast with David Ike taken down uh, to no surprise, but awesome. um, just, just <laughs> great stuff. You know, Hey, I made it. <laughs> yeah. I made it. I'm a yeah. misinformer. I'm a, yeah. one of the good guys. Yeah. You're, 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 I, I haven't reached that level of, uh, of rogue yet. People are still letting me practice medicine uh, despite all the shit that I talk about. So um, I'll let that wave, I'll ride that wave as long as I can. But uh, yeah, wear it as a badge of honor that somebody was like, this guy's a threat. Let's take him down on YouTube. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, thanks, man. I, I really appreciate it. I love you so much. And um, kiss that wife and baby, the wife and babies for me. I'll see you in a few months in Austin. Absolutely, brother. Looking forward to it. Everybody needs a man like Kyle Kingsbury in their life. Thank you so much, brother, for uh, taking some time out today for the podcast to, to sort of reiterate what we talked about in the episode in brief. If we're going to change the world, we believe that changing the care for women and children is the way that we change the world for the better. In other words, if we can't get that right, how are we going to change some of these bigger problems? If we're going to do that, then we as men need to stand up and be willing to be vulnerable, be willing to absorb shame and guilt and process and integrate those experiences, leave them behind. As Ted Lasso says, be the goldfish, <laughs> shortest memory in the, in the animal kingdom, and just move on and, uh, and just do our best to be as good as we can every single day for one another as men, for our communities, for our families, for our, our partners, our children, and um, to step up. And, and I, I think that Kyle is, uh, is really the epitome of that. So thank you so much for tuning in. I also want to reiterate, if, if you're listening to these episodes, you're really the hero in the story here. You're, you're out there seeking genuine conversation between people that, that want to be better. And if you're listening to this, I can't thank you enough because you're really the ones, you're, you're, you're the people, you're the individuals that are, that are nudging the needle towards the more beautiful world our hearts know is possible in the, world of, the words of Charles Eisenstein. So, so thanks for tuning in. If you want to check out the life and adventures of Kyle and his wife Tosh, go to uh, their Instagram page, Living with the Kingsburys. That's K I N G B U R Y S. They put out a lot of great content there. Kyle's podcast is called the Kyle Kingsbury Podcast. It's sensational. Every single guest, every single interview he does is something that somebody like me, a newbie podcaster, just uh, seeks to live up to. So, can find everything. Uh, from the show, any references we made, you can find that in the show notes. That's at holisticobjuanpod.com. We're a 501c3 providing entertainment information, but we are not a replacement for any medical advice or uh, care provided to you by your medical providers. 
If you want to find me, work with me. I do one-on-one consultations. I care for people before, during, and after pregnancy, into postpartum, before they even start thinking about conception. And um, you can book a consultation at BelovedHolistics.com. You can also sign up for my weekly newsletter there. I have a collaborator program if you're a health coach like Kyle, if you're a Czech practitioner, if you're a nutritionist, if you're a midwife, doula, birth educator, any type of doctor, healthcare professional, or it's just somebody out there caring for other people and you want an MD consultant regularly, subscribe to my collaborator program. You can have access to me and my allopathic toolkit, as well as all the other holistic healing modalities that I utilize in, uh, in order to optimize the care for your clients and patients. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'll see you next time, everybody, on the Holistic of a Joanne podcast. Take care. Bye-bye.